Thank you, Pastor Brad. G'day. How are you? That's the way. Can we give it up for our worship team? Wow. Didn't they take us somewhere this morning? Right into the Holy of Holies. Right into the Holy of Holies. I am, um, as it were, worshipping. I just had this thought from the Holy Spirit basically saying, um, you are a blessed people. And, uh, and he was reminding me of a, of a story in the Old Testament where a king who was an enemy of the Israelites, Balak, came to a, a sorcerer of sorts, Balaam, and said, I want you to curse this people. And he took Balaam up to the mountains and he overlooked the camp of the Israelites. And Balaam said, I can't curse who God has called blessed. And I was just having that thought as we were worshipping that, that God has called you blessed. He, he hasn't said you're perfect in the sense we know, we know who we are in the flesh. But the Israelites weren't perfect either. But that didn't mean they weren't, they weren't absolutely blessed. So I want to declare that over you this morning because there is discouragement in people's lives and today we wanted to obliterate discouragement. Who's with me on that? Amen. Amen. The other word I got was that we have come so far and the end is near. It's not time to give up, but it's time to rise up. It's time to rise up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are holy. You are all powerful. You are almighty. Jesus, we thank you for the fact that you went to the cross. You died. You rose again so that we could live lives full of victory in you. We thank you for the word of God. It's elevated above God's own name. And it is profitable for us, for correction and encouragement and doctrine. Lord, I pray for every soul in this building today and every soul that's watching online. May they know that they are precious in your sight. And may your word cut and divide and encourage and heal. Because we know how powerful the word of God is. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. John chapter 9. We're going to start here this morning. I won't give you the title of the message just yet. But we're going to read a, a, a wonderful story of a wonderful miracle that, uh, that Jesus did. I know you're going to like this one. Any miracle's great. This one's particularly good. John chapter 9, verse 1 to 7. I think we've got it up on the screen. I hope. And we're reading this out of the ESC version. And it says here in verse 1, And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. 
As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground, he made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed, and guess what? He came back seeing. I told you it was a good miracle. I told you it was a good miracle. Today I wanted to speak to you from the topic of are you asking the right question? Are you asking the right question? Questions are powerful, right? We use questions to learn, to develop. We use questions to create new ideas, new products, new services, new, new concepts. If we look around our world, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there have been some fairly significant developments in our lifetime, probably far more than what any other lifetime has seen. I mean, some of the things that are sort of daily things for us now, like smart devices, and who would have thought 20, 30, 40 years ago that a smart device would run our life, would pay our bills, will deliver food? All the things that smartphones do. Some of us, not necessarily me, but some of us are young enough to remember when the TV was first created and it was a black and white TV thing. We thought, I didn't, you might have thought, that we had just embarked on this whole new area of life. How amazing was it to have a a black and white TV in the house? But then it wasn't long before all of a sudden black and white became colour. We knew we were alive then. We knew we were alive then. Who would have thought that we would have cars with air conditioning? Or that we could just hit a button to wind the windows up and down? Who remembers the old days of... I don't remember that, but some of you do. Clearly you do. (laughs) Let's think about the the miracle, the, the the achievements in the in the space area and the aeronautical area and the healthcare sector, all the things that for today we take for granted. But once upon a time, not so long ago, they weren't they weren't even a thought. These miracles, these marvels, only exist today because someone or a group of someone's asked a different question, which ended up being the right question. And, and as Christ followers, we also ask plenty of questions. I don't know if it's just me, but I tend to ask a lot of questions. Because we are inquisitive. We want to connect with our Heavenly Father. You think about the Psalms and David. If you read the Psalms, he asks a lot of questions. Why, Lord? How long, Lord? When, Lord? They're all questions. But also we ask questions because as believers, sometimes we're trying to make sense of circumstances that we're going through. I'm going to be real with you today. This is my pastoral heart coming out. We face fears 
that we know we're on the inside and we're questioning when is this going to, when am I going to be delivered of this fear? When am I going to overcome this fear? Or we're making key decisions in life. And all of these things revolve around the questions that we ask. So today what I wanted to do was to provide you with some thoughts and some tools and some ideas. Who knows that, that the best thing we can do has, is, is change our thinking to line up with the Word of God, renewing our minds. Today it's about this topic, I guess, it's about how do we renew our mind and, and, and what are questions we can ask that are going to unlock the power of Jesus in our life. Maybe we've been camped around a mountain for so long asking the same old questions. Well, today I pray that there is breakthrough in your life. I pray that there is overcoming in your life. Jesus is coming back for the overcomer. That's who he's coming back for. And I see a group of people who are overcomers because you're here and you haven't given up in Jesus' name. And as we revert back to the passage, we see that the disciples and Jesus come across this man who was born blind. He was born that way. Have you ever heard that topic? I was born that way. Well, he literally was born that way. He never had the privilege or the ability to, I don't know, look up into the stars and see the glory of God. He never had the ability to sit on a beach somewhere and just look out over the, over the ocean and marvel at the creation of God. He never had the ability to be able to see in the mountains. You know, you know what it's like when you go into the mountains and you're covered with trees. It's, it's something else. We need to do it more. Speaking to myself. He never got to look at his mum's eyes and to see the, the loving look of his mother that only a mum can give a, a child. See, he never had that. All he knew was, was darkness. That's all he knew. He was born that way. But to make matters worse for this poor man, he was also ridiculed by his society. Because if you were born with a deformity of some sort, you were considered to be cursed. These sort of questions that the disciples asked, who was, why was he born blind? Was it his sin or his mother's? That wouldn't get past the, the test today. You would have all sorts of who are going on if someone dared ask that sort of question today. But in the context of the Bible, that was a quite legitimate question. Because they genuinely believed that if he was born that way, then there was a reason. Someone had sinned in the line somewhere and he was wearing the consequences of that. I do have a little issue though with Peter and the apostles saying, well, was it him who was sinning? I'm thinking to myself, boy... He gets born and he's already been accused of being a sinner. What was he up to in his mother's womb? <laughs> Think about it. Maybe mum was sort of going, oh, he's kicking. Oh, we should kick a little bit, little bit softer. Mum, I'm not deaf. I might be blind, but I'm not deaf and I'm going to kick harder. I'm building this rebellious streak in me. So in some respects, it was a fair question. In other respects, it was a quite an unusual question. But the point I want to make to us this morning is it's an irrelevant question because Jesus immediately tackles the question and says to them, you're asking the wrong one. 
because I don't care why he is here in the state that he is in. I don't care why he was here. It wasn't the sin of him or his parents, but it doesn't matter to me because all I'm focused on is what the power of God can do in this man. All I'm focused on is is what can happen in this man's life to radically change him on the inside, to give him sight. And I I will propose to you today that not only did he get physical sight, he also received spiritual sight in this story as well if you read on. But the second part of the question was, was Jesus was saying, well, what is my role in that? In seeing the power of God work in this man's life. That's what I'm focused on. And I guess I'm here today to tell you, and this hopefully is encouraging, that God is not particularly care, care about how you're here today or why you're in the situation you're in or whatever it might be. That's not what he is focused on. He is focused on being the one who sets you free. He is, he is focused on the one who's going to, be to heal you. He is focused on, on deliverance. He doesn't, it doesn't matter to him. It doesn't matter. All he is focused on is what can I bring to the table to bring transformation. Can you imagine this man's life changed? First of all, he can see. Can you imagine seeing for the first time? Whoa. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine his family? Could you imagine his community? All of a sudden, this man that was not only blind, but was considered maybe a little bit less than everyone else, all of a sudden he was like everyone else and it was a noticeable miracle that Jesus did in his life. And I'm here today to tell you that you're no different to the blind man. I'm here to tell you today that you are no different to him. It doesn't matter what your situation is right now. He is able to get you through. He is able to raise you up. He is able to heal your broken body right now in the name of Jesus. You know, maybe you're here today going, I've done the journey for a long time. You know, maybe I've been, I've been battling with that sickness for a long time and I, I sort of feel as though I, I need to give up. Or maybe you've come here today and, and your marriage, the Lord gave me something about marriage this week. Maybe you're not content in your marriage right now. Maybe your husband's still leaving up the toilet seat. You know, I don't want to make light of this, but, but, but there is pressure on marriages right now. I don't know if you've noticed it, but there is pressure on marriages. Too many marriages fail. And maybe you're at your wit's end in your marriage, but you've been hiding it. You've been being good about it. But on the inside of your heart, you know that there is a, something not right with your marriage. Maybe you're still beating yourself up because maybe one of your children are currently not walking with Jesus right now. And it's easy for us to ask the question, where did I go wrong? Where did I go wrong? Maybe you're still tackling issues around abuse. And some days are hard. Some days are difficult. Some days it's hard to see between the wood and the trees. Some days you, you sort of feel, like, I don't know if I can go on with this. This is too difficult. These are real issues in real people's lives, right? And because we're Christians, it doesn't mean that we're not immune to these things. But I'm here today to tell you, he, he doesn't care. He cares for you. But he doesn't care why you're in this situation. 
All he cares about is finding a way out for you. Finding a way out for you. Who wants to be set free? Amen. The power of God is present to set people free today. (laughs) The second part of the question was, what is my role in this? Notice Jesus didn't heal him. Jesus didn't sort of say, be healed. He actually made mud out of spit and told him to walk to a pool of Siloam. And then when he washed, he was healed. See, God's the healer. But Jesus' role in that was important. You know, why does he use the word work? Well, he healed this guy on the Sabbath day. And guess what? Working was not allowed on the Sabbath day. Jesus was sending a very powerful message to the religious leaders that I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. You know, and and in, in our own situations, God doesn't need us to be involved, but he wants us to be involved. And so it's up to us to go, well, what's my role in this situation? And there are many things we can do. We can pray. We can do all those things. Sometimes God asks us to do the most ridiculous things, like spitting on some dirt, rubbing in a guy's eyes and say, go and wash in the pool. But I'm sure there are many of us here where God has put on us, I want you to do this. And you go, what on earth? And you go and do it and God works, right? What about in our marriages? You know, what can you do? Well, apart from pointing the finger at someone else, maybe, maybe you've got to come before the Lord yourself and say to the Lord, Lord, I don't know how to get out of this situation right now, but you do. I'm your vessel. I humble myself before you. You, you do what you need to do in me and allow the Lord to work in your partner. There have been great healings in marriages when people stopped pointing the finger at each other and started looking up to heaven and saying, God, I want you to intervene in this situation. So the point I want to make in this particular scenario, are you asking the right question? See, if your question is all about, woe is me, why am I here? All those things, you're asking the wrong question. If your question is, what can God do in this situation and what's my role in it? Do you realise just how powerful that question is? Because it healed the blind man and it can heal you. It can set you free. It can deliver you. All it takes is a brief check of 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 the question you're asking and reframing it. Does that make sense? Does that encourage? Amen. We're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 6. gone through four pages of notes here and I haven't kept up. Just a couple of verses. This is about the man Elisha who was a prophet in Israel. He was causing all sorts of carnage to the, to the Syrian army. Every time they plotted against the Israelites, he would get a word from the Lord and he would let people know in Israel that the Syrians are coming and so the, the Israelites knew where not to go. So every time the Assyrians turned up, there was no one there. And, and the king of Syria decided, maybe there's a mole in our camp. Someone's telling the Israelites what's going on. And then someone clued on and said, no, nah, this is the prophet of God. He's getting a supernatural download. 
And so the Assyrian king said, right, we've got to go and deal with this. So he sent his army to go and meet Elisha. That's where we pick this up. In verse 15, it says, And when the servant of the man God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha said, Do not be afraid of them, for those who are with us are more than those that are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open the eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The story goes on that he struck the Assyrians with blindness. He opened the people of God's eyes and he closed the eyes of of the enemy. Are you asking the right question? Lord, please show me the full picture. Please show me the full picture. Icebergs are pretty deceptive. Would you all agree? Those on the Titanic would agree with that statement. See, what you see above the water is only such a small part of what's actually going on under the water. And it's what's under the water that's completely and utterly dangerous. And that's what makes icebergs dangerous. And in this example, we see that the servant wakes up, gets his extra hot almond milk latte, double strength, in a takeaway cup. And he has his smashed avocado on an organic sourdough with lemon and goat's cheese with a little bit of dukkha because we're in the Middle East. And that's what you do. And he's sitting down to eat and drink. And all of a sudden he looks up and he sees that they are completely and utterly surrounded. And of course, his response to that after dropping his, his coffee and his breakfast, what do we do? What do we do? And of course, Elijah's first response is, don't fear. Don't fear. He who is with us is greater than he is with them. You know, and I'm sure we can all relate to this story. You know, there are times in life where, we, where we're just living life and out of the blue, something happens. We didn't ask for it. We didn't plan for it and we certainly didn't budget for it. But it happens to us all. And the first question we typically ask, which is not a bad question, is what do we do? How do we we deal with this? But there was something special on Elisha that I wanted to show you this morning. You see, Elisha saw beyond the iceberg on the top. Elisha saw the full picture. And it was that picture that he saw that gave him the confidence to say to his servant, uh, there are more with us than them. Lord, I pray that you open his eyes that he might truly see the full picture. Because around about the the Assyrian army, the Assyrian army, of course, was the, the armies of God. That's a game changer, isn't it? All of a sudden, he'd be picking up his breakfast and his coffee and I'm okay now. I can move on with life. But the key thing here is the right question wasn't so much what do we do. It's, Lord, show me the full picture. Show me the full story. And, and in our life, often we, we, we tend to navigate in the small realm of the natural. We see things in the natural, but what's happening in the spiritual is completely different. You see, there are armies in the spiritual realm that are around you right now. That, that everything that Satan's throwing at you is irrelevant because God is your protector. 
God is your provider. God is your supporter. God is your advocate. But sometimes we don't see that. We're just seeing the problem. You know, it's important to go into the Spirit. And I know many of you are spiritual warriors and giants, but there are some that still haven't taken the leap. We've got to go there. Lord, open our eyes that we see the reality of what we're going through right now because it's not what it looks like. It's victorious. It's eternal. You know, I thought about this the other day. This might be a word for someone. The very thing you're going through right now, the very thing that you're struggling with right now might be the very character building thing that you need Hmm. that you need to do your job in the eternities when you're ruling over millions of people, when you're ruling over thousands of people. The very thing you're going through right now may have that eternal consequence. And in the years and the ages to come when you're there ruling and reigning over people, which is what we're called to do, you're going to look back and go, you know that problem I went through? Gee, I'm glad I went through that. Because I've now got millions of people that are reporting into me. I'm judging nations right now. It's important for us to go into the, into the fullness of the spiritual realm. You see, there is so much below the surface that sometimes we don't tap into. And again, I come back to this point. What's the question we're asking? Lord, give us the full picture. May I see it clearly. May I see it as clear as the noonday sun. I know that I'm in your hands. I know this is not forever. I know that the victory is coming. I know that peace is my, is my assurance. I know that I'm not stuck in this place anymore. I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, the enemy's trying to intimidate us because he knows his time's short. He hasn't got much time. And he's going, I'm going to wrap it up. And we get timid. Oh, it's time to rise. It's time to know who we are in Jesus. It's time to get into the Spirit. It's time for us to claim what Jesus has given us. It's time to claim our birthright. It's time to stand in power and faith. It's time to take it on. It's time to take ground back. Who's lost ground in this life? Who's lost ground? It's time to get it back. It's time to get it back. We're going to take it by force. We're going to take it by faith. We're going to take it by the power of God that's within us. But it starts with the right question. Are you asking the right question today? Oh, what do we do? Show me, Lord, the full picture. Because when I see the full picture, I'm confident. Because the host of heaven is backing me up. And he's backing you up as well. Can we give God a shout? Can we give God a shout this morning? It's time to get dangerous, brothers and sisters. It's time to get dangerous. Who wants to get a little dangerous? Who wants to cause the defeated one a little bit more discomfort? Is anyone ready to join me? Because I'm keen. I'm keen. He knows his time's short. And we know our time is not short because we're going to have it forever. But we're going to stand. We're going to stand. All right, third point, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. There's a little theme coming through about eyes opening. I love it. He restores sight to the blind physically, spiritually, 
He opens the eyes of our understanding that we may know the hope that, of the calling that we're in. You know, the Bible says that, um, that eye is not seen or ear heard nor entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But it goes on to say, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. We've opened up the spirit today and God is revealing to you some of the wonderful truths that he has prepared for you. Are you asking the right question? Is your question based on best practice? All things are legitimate, we read in the Amplified Version, permissible, and we are free to do anything we please, but not all things are helpful, expedient, profitable, and wholesome. All things are legitimate, but not all things are constructive to our character and edifying to spiritual life. Let not one then seek his own good and advantage and profit, but rather each one of the other, let him seek the welfare of his neighbour." This was an eye-opener for me personally because I grew up thinking, I'm a Christian. What can I get away with? Where are the boundaries? Where's the loopholes? I'm sorry, that's a, I say that, but that's how I live my life. I praise God that that's not how I live my life now. But there are many Christians who live their life this way because we take this idea of freedom and we go, wow, <laughs> hello, hello, freedom. I can choose to do what I want to do and it doesn't really matter because, well, I've got freedom. You know, sometimes we think the New Testament is a lower bar set than the Old Testament, but it's actually higher. It's actually higher. And I remember thinking to myself with these questions, what is allowable behaviour as a Christian? How much can I do? Am I really free to do whatever I want to do? How do I know where the line is? How far can I stretch the line before it becomes unacceptable? Where is the loophole in this? They're all the questions I used to ask as a young boy until I read this particular passage and it, it opened my eyes to realise that I'm asking the wrong questions. You see, the question Paul says we should be asking is, what's best practice? When it comes to our, our own souls and the people around us, you know, instead of saying, is it right or wrong, we should be asking ourselves the question, is it beneficial? Is it going to enhance my walk with Jesus or is it going to tear it down? Have you ever heard of the saying, you can have too much of a good thing? That can be a problem. You know, I think about in the Old Testament in Genesis, um, Abram and Lot, they were farmers and aggregators and they had sheep and they were growing and it got to the point where their land couldn't sustain both parties and they were getting angry with each other and there was a bit of violence going on. So Abraham said, to Lot, you choose the land you want to go to and you sit there and then I'll have the rest. And so Lot looked around and he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and the land looked pretty good. It was fertile. It looked like it could sustain sheep and he said, I'm going that way. And Abraham said, okay, well, I'm going that way. And the Bible records that he set up shop outside the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. But it wasn't too long after that that the Bible tells us that he had moved into the city. You see, for him, there was a line. But as he got closer and closer and closer, he forgot about the line altogether. And even to the point when God was delivering them out of Sodom and Gomorrah before he destroyed the city, Lot's wife looked back with love for that city. And God turned her into a pillar of salt what's the lesson for us the lesson for us is don't go making decisions based on where the line is but go making decisions based on what's going to edify and build me up 
and what's going to benefit the people around me. It's a selfless act. It's a selfless walk. That's why Jesus said, I've got to, you've got to die daily. You have to die daily. That's the Christian walk. That's the Christian walk. And, and for many Christians, that's, that, that's a maturing thing that we've got to go through. But it's worth it. Because the life we now live is far more blessed when we, when we do it that way, far more fulfilling than when, when we live the other way. The question is, are we asking the right question today? Whether it's focusing on the past, opening our eyes that we may see, or making the best decisions based on scriptural wisdom, the ball is fundamentally in our court. And I want to challenge you and encourage you today to consider the questions you're asking. I want to give you one example to finish off with this morning. This is a testimony that was made known to me. And it really highlights what can it be achieved when you ask the right question. And I hope you're edified by this. A number of years ago, a young family, a husband, wife and two sons, moved to a small country town. As, as they were new in the, in the town, they joined the local tennis club and played tennis in an attempt to get connected into the, into the town. One day, the two boys, aged six and three, were playing in a local park. On a particular day, they were playing on a roundabout. For those who may remember that, that's, as I understand it, it's the thing that you push around in a park and everyone gets on it and throws up and it's a wonderful time. Um, everyone gets dizzy, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, on this particular day, the younger brother was pushing the roundabout and slipped and tripped and got his leg caught under the roundabout and it broke all the bones, it did the tendons, the ligaments, everything. He was rushed to hospital and had his leg set in plaster. Six weeks after the plaster came off, the leg had set at right angles to the other leg and he was still on, plaster, he was still on crutches. One night, one of the friends of this man who he played tennis with came over and inquired as to how this young boy was. He proceeded to tell him that the doctors were going to have to break the leg to straighten it up overnight. And that was the only solution to fix this. Then this man asked a very strange question. Do you believe that Jesus is able to heal your son? My... I gave it away. The response from the parents was, we don't know. But it's worth a try. That night he went away, he prayed with his church and came back the next morning and said to this couple, how is his leg? The couple looked out the window and saw him running around without crutches. And then they noticed that his leg had completely straightened overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Subsequent to that, this family became a Christian. They gave their lives to Jesus. Now, the reason I share that story is because that man who asked that question is very dear to me because I was the older brother. It was the younger brother, my younger brother, that had the leg break. That one question, that one right question, transformed my life forever. He transformed my parents' lives forever. 
He transforms my children's lives forever, all because he asked the right question. I want to encourage you today to think about the questions that you're asking. They have an eternal perspective on them that literally can transform your life, your family's life, this city's life, this country's life. But it takes us the ability to ask the question. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? How are we going? Praise God. I was just um, thinking to myself, we're going to finish with a song in a minute. Praise the Lord, O my soul. But I wanted to give everyone an opportunity just to, to consider the message this morning. And in particular, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I've got to change the question I'm asking. I've got to change the This is the time to do that right now, to determine in your heart, I'm going to start asking a different question. It's empowering. But I also want to give opportunity to those of you today that have never met Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to meet with him today. Because today could be the day that your life is completely set free to get forever. You may think to yourself, I'm not worthy of Jesus. But as I said at the very beginning, Jesus doesn't care. All Jesus cares about is you and what he can do in you. You don't need to come to Jesus cleaned up because Jesus does the cleaning up. That's the fallacy. That's the enemy saying, until I'm perfect, I won't come to Jesus. Jesus saying, come to me now and I will make you perfect. It's the work of Jesus Christ. I want us to close our eyes today. Maybe you've also walked away from Jesus. Maybe you once walked in in him and you you walked away, but you want to come back to him today. I want to give you that opportunity as well because he cares for you too. And he doesn't care how you found yourself in the mess. He wants to take you out of the mess today. I want to give you that opportunity. Can we all close our eyes? And I would just like those people, you know who you are, just to raise your hand, just to slip your hand up. If you would like to meet Jesus for the first time or if you would like to reintroduce yourself to Jesus today. Just every eye's bowed. We've got one. We've got two. Let's give you a little bit more time. Jesus just wants to completely transform your life. Is there anyone else? We have three. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I want us to say a little prayer together with these people today. We want to pray with them. We want to stand with them today. This is an important day for them, as it is for all of us. Father God, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. Repeat that after me. Father God, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, who died on the cross. He took our place, but he rose victorious on the third day that we may have life in Jesus. We repent of our sin. We acknowledge the error of our way. But we also acknowledge the greater love that you have for us today. Lord Jesus, we come before you humbly. 
we bow our knee and we determine today to live a new life in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the forgiveness of my sin. And thank you that I can now walk in victory in the mighty name of Jesus. And all who prayed that prayer said, Amen. Let's give the Lord a shout. Let's give the Lord a shout.